Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining in with us today. I'm Jason. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Community Christian Church. And today is part four of a discussion we're having about faith. Now, here's what we've learned so far. If your faith is built on circumstances or the things that just happen around you or things that happen to you, then your faith's going to be pretty shaky. And your faith will eventually fail you. Because at some point in life, we all run into a circumstance that we can't just faith our way out of, no matter how hard we believe or how good we are. See, we hope that God will do a lot of things, but there's a difference between faith and hope. See, hope says, God, here's what I want, and I really want you to do this. But faith, well, that says, God, here's what I know you've promised me. And I'm trusting that you're going to keep your promise. And what we've learned is that the definition of faith really is this. It's the confidence that God is who he says he is and that he'll do everything he promised to do. So when God has made you a promise, you can have absolute faith in him to keep that promise. But you can also come to God with anything that you hope for. For instance, God, I need a job and I hope you'll give me a job. God, I want to be made well, and I hope you'll heal me. You know what? Sometimes God, because he's a good heavenly father, he gives us what we hope for. Then sometimes he doesn't, but he'll always give us what he promised. But that leads us to a question and what I want to talk to you about today. What do you do when you bring one of your hopes to God and God doesn't do it? I mean, what should you do? How should you feel about it when you pray a prayer and God says no? You know, it's funny. There's a time in my life where there's no place I'd rather be, but now I don't even know why I'm here. Don't even know who I'm talking to or if I'm talking to anybody. Why is this so hard? It used to be so easy. It used to all make sense. It didn't even matter if it made sense. It's just the way it was. I believed because I'd always believed. I mean, that's what you do when you're a kid, right? You believe in God. You pray. I prayed. We talked. or At least I talked. At times, it seems as though you talked back. At least it felt that way. But now I... I don't know. I, I don't even know why it bothers me. I mean, lots of people lose their faith as they grow up. When I found out that Santa Claus was just my uncle in a fake beard and a 
cheap Santa costume? I, yeah, it was shocking, but it's just a part of growing up. Why is this so different? Why am I here talking to no one? That's all this is, a grown man talking to himself. I wish I could go back, you know? I wish I could go back and just pretend like everything made sense to me. But it doesn't. I gave you my life! I believed, I prayed, I came to church, I served, I taught my kids to serve. I was married in this church. I met her in this church. We were so young. And we were so in love and we thought we could do anything. We thought you could get us through anything. And so when we had Penny, we knew that she was a gift from you. And I thanked you every day for my family, every day. And I promised to love and to serve you and to teach my family to do the same. What more did you want from me? I gave you my kids. I gave you my wife. I gave you my entire life. They. We're my entire life! I saw them today outside the grocery store. They looked happy. They were laughing like we used to laugh. He he had his arm around her, around my wife. She was my wife. We were supposed to stay together. You were supposed to keep us together. But what, you, you fell asleep at the wheel? She takes my kids and moves in with another guy? You're cool with that? And you expect me to come back in here and just be okay? You expect me to pray and to thank you for all you've done when you couldn't even... It just isn't that simple anymore. I'm not sure this means anything. I, I don't know that it ever did. I thought this was supposed to mean something. I gave you everything, but not anymore. I'm done. You know, most of us have probably never said words like that out loud. I don't know, maybe you've always been taught that it wasn't polite to say things like that in church. But I think on some level, We've all had those thoughts, or at least we've felt those emotions. And there's nothing wrong with them. Because when you've hoped and you've prayed for something, and it seems as if God just keeps on saying no, it's frustrating, it makes us angry. And many times it causes us to doubt our faith and to doubt God. So today I wanna to introduce you to someone God said no to. Now we know him as the Apostle Paul. And if you're familiar with his story, 
You might be surprised to hear that Paul lived out the latter part of his life, as far as we know, praying a prayer that God never answered. Now, when Paul first shows up in history, he's a devout Jewish rabbi. He opposes Jesus and Christianity about as hard as anyone could. In fact, he makes it his personal mission to go after Christians and stop the spread of this idea that Jesus is God and he had risen from the dead. He even goes as far as capturing, imprisoning, and even killing Christians to get this done. Until one day, Paul has this dramatic encounter with the risen Jesus and it completely reverses his life. He goes from being the strongest opponent of Christianity to being its most effective spokesperson. In fact, he's so influential in the early church his letters are copied, preserved, and today they're included in your Bible. Now, you'd think someone like Paul, who wrote part of the Bible, would be good enough to get all of his prayers answered. I mean, come on, who has more faith in God than Paul? But like we've discovered, faith doesn't work like that. Here's what Paul wrote in his own words. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Now, of course, the million dollar question is, what exactly is this thorn in the flesh that Paul's talking about? Well, unfortunately, he never tells us. All we know is it was some kind of physical illness. Now, a lot of historians think that it had something to do with his eyes. He had a condition where his eyes would ooze and they would make him look really unattractive. And of course, it affected his eyesight. Others think that it may have been epilepsy, which means Paul might have had seizures. Now, imagine having a seizure in the middle of public speaking in the first century in a culture that thought of that sort of thing as proof that you were demon possessed. Now, whatever it might have been, we know this, it was painful, and it was an obstacle to Paul's ministry and his mission for God. But even though we're unsure of exactly what Paul was going through, we, we know this one thing for sure. Paul had incredible faith. I mean, he'd seen the risen Jesus. He started churches. He suffered all kinds of hardship and persecution for his faith. Paul even prayed for other people who were sick, and God healed them. So surely he can do the same thing for himself. But Paul tells us this, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Now, let me just be clear. Paul's not saying that he just prayed three times, prayed three prayers, and then he gave up. He's talking about multiple periods in his life when Paul went into a season of just begging and pleading with God with all the faith that he had to heal him of this illness. And still, God said no. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Maybe that's really discouraging to you. I mean, here's one of the greatest heroes of the Christian faith, and God says no to his request. And you may be thinking, so what hope do I have? I don't know, maybe, maybe that's what you think, but I believe if you would change your perspective for just a moment, I think it could do the opposite. I think it should actually encourage you. Think about it this way. God said no to one of the most faith-filled guys in all of history. And maybe you've gotten a no from God in the past, and maybe you thought God's no meant that God wasn't there, or that he didn't care, or that you just didn't have enough faith. But here's where Paul's no that he got from God ought to encourage you. It should remind you that none of those things are true, because God was with Paul. God cared about Paul. And that means 
the same thing's true for you. It doesn't matter how much or how little faith you have. God is still God. He hasn't changed. He's with you and he cares. And that's what Paul found out. He said this, each time God said to Paul, my grace is all you need. Now, if you tuned in with us last week, that's exactly what we talked about. One of the promises that God makes to us is that he will give us grace in our time of need. And the grace of God in this context, is talking about the strength or the power of God that's given by God so that we can endure difficult circumstances. So Paul says, look, after pleading and pleading and pleading with God to heal me, I finally got my answer. And the answer was, no. No, I'm not gonna do what you want. I'm not going to heal you, Paul. But instead, I'm gonna give you the grace you need to endure it. And listen, Paul, when that thing, that sickness, is totally in the way of your everyday tasks, I'm gonna give you the grace to endure. And when you show up in those towns and you speak to those people about me and they see your sickness and they start to think to themselves, who is this guy and what is that thing? Paul, I'm gonna give you the grace to endure. When they all stare and they wonder, why doesn't God do something for Paul? He believes in God so strongly. I'm gonna give you the grace to endure. Paul, you can ask for the rest of your life, but I'm not gonna take this away. But I am gonna give you the strength and the power, the grace, and the endurance to keep on going in spite of it. Separate my heart from your great 
this is like, don't we? We all know what it's like to have something in this life that we want to see changed, and for whatever reason, it hasn't changed yet. And maybe it never will. Maybe you've prayed and prayed and begged God for something, for a relationship, for a marriage, uh, your physical illness, your mental illness, an addiction, or a goal that you want to achieve in life child you want to raise and all you seem to hear from God is no. Again, what do you do with that? When your prayers aren't answered the way that you hoped they would, when God says no, well, here's the truth. You're left with one of two choices. You can walk away from God. And that's what a lot of people do. I mean, I've known plenty of people who gave up on God when things didn't go like they'd hoped. And you know what? God in his love for you, he gives you that freedom. He gives you the freedom to walk away, to reject him. So that's one option. Now the other option is to lean into God even harder. Now that's the choice that Paul made. And in that process of leaning into God, Paul learns that God can do something even greater than if he were to answer Paul's prayer. God says to Paul, and, and I believe he's saying to you and me, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. God says, look, I, I'm not gonna fix everything the way you want me to, but I promise to give you the grace and the power to go through it. And in your weakness, God says, I'm gonna show off. I'm gonna do something in you, in your life. It's gonna make people say, look, I don't know how that guy or that gal has accomplished what they've accomplished. So it must be God. Paul, finally got to that place. He got to the place where he could rest in the fact that this is what God had chosen for him and that God would give him all the strength that he needed and that God would make himself known through Paul's weakness if he would just lean into that. Now, I want you to look at Paul's response to all of this. After hearing the no from God, but then receiving the promise of God's grace and his power to endure his weakness, Paul says these words. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, in hardships, persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. See, Paul, he has this whole new perspective now. He's got a whole new way to live his life. Paul's waking up every single day in daily dependence on God and on God's grace because he knows if I'm gonna make it through this day, it's not gonna be because I'm so strong or I'm talented or I'm really capable. It's gonna have to be because of God's grace. It'll have to be his power that's holding me up and it's working through me. And what Paul discovered was daily dependence on God. It was a better way to live than if he had gotten all his prayers answered. God's grace and his power well, they were better than the healing. See, sometimes the answer that we want, it's not the best thing for us. See, maybe when God says no, it's a chance for you and for me to experience something better than we would have had with a yes, to become something better in the no than we would have become through the yes. 
See, that's what Paul is saying here. He says, God's making it possible for me to live every day in total dependence on him. Every day I wake up, I have to lean into him for strength. Now, of course, the reality is we're all dependent on God every single moment of our lives, whether we realize it or not. But what Paul's talking about here, this is a whole other level of dependence. This is dependence on God where I am fully aware of my dependence. It's waking up every day saying, God, if you don't do this, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this on my own. And see, this is what I wish for every single one of us that we would all come to realize that your greatest weakness is God's greatest opportunity to show himself strong in you. See that thing in your life that you wanna hide away so that nobody else can see it? That situation that you hope and pray every single night that it would just change? That weakness is God's greatest chance to do something powerful through you if you'll lean into him and you'll trust him with it. But you know, if you choose the other option, if you decide to say no to God, to shake your fist at him instead of bending your knee, here's the sad truth. Not only do you walk away from God, you walk away from the provision of his grace. You walk away from his strength because, see, you only find the grace and strength of God when you lean into God. I've seen it a thousand times. Two couples or two individuals, they face identical circumstances. One of them, leans hard into God, and nothing changes, but they have the grace, the strength to endure it. But the other couple or individual facing the same thing, they say, look, God, if that's the way you are, if this is it, I've had enough. And then they leave all of it behind and nothing gets better for them. In fact, in many cases, it gets worse. They wind up turning to chemicals to deal with the pain or alcohol to deal with the pain and they go from relationship to relationship to deal with it or they go from job to job to make things better. And in both instances, the circumstances don't change. Remember, I'm not saying if you lean into God, he's gonna make your life all better. The circumstances don't change either way because God never promised that. But one couple or individual finds the grace to endure while the other one turns their back on God and then their life begins to unravel. You know, one of my favorite authors, Philip Yancey, he once said this, the only thing worse than disappointment with God is disappointment without God. See, this is God's promise. Come to me, boldly come to me. And every time you come, you're gonna find mercy and grace in your time of need. And I will empower you, even when I say no, to go through it. And you'll see that your weakness is my opportunity to demonstrate my power in and through your life. Now, I know some of you are thinking, look, I don't want a God like that. I mean, I'm glad that you've been able to figure all of this out, Jason, and you're probably right about what the Bible says and all that, but that's not my kind of God. I want a God that when I call on him, he does something. I get that, I really do. But look back at Paul's story again. Paul didn't want that kind of God either. That's why he said, God, you gotta do something about this. You gotta change this. Now, I know you haven't thought a whole lot about this because you know, you've know got a life, you're busy, you've got a lot of other things on your mind, but I want you to stop and just think about something for a moment. If you're someone who says, 
I don't want a God like that. No matter how, a God who, no matter how much I want something, he still says no. I, I want a God who will not let bad things happen to me or the people that I love. I don't want a God like that. I, I understand all that, but I dare you. And I think you owe it to yourself to think about this. I dare you. Take some time and write out the kind of God you do want. I'm serious. Just write out a description of the kind of God you want because, see, right now, you're just saying, I, I don't believe that or I don't want that. You know what you don't want. And I get that. But just be honest. What do you want God to do? What do you want him to be like? Write a couple of paragraphs and, and then read it back. And here's what I bet you'll discover. The truth is, you want to be God. You want him to worship you. You want him to do what you want him to do. And listen, I'm no different. My list would be the exact same as yours. Or if you don't find that out, that you want to be God, what you at least find out is you want God to lean so hard in your direction that whenever you want something, he just does it. It's like, God, I want her to fall out of love with that guy and fall in love with me. And then a few years down the road, you're saying, okay, God, now I want you to have her to fall out of love with me and fall in love with him so that I can get out of this relationship. And God's in the middle like, okay. And then meanwhile, she's over there praying, God, I want him to just love me and be in love with me. And God's like, oh no, now what do I do? And listen, I know that's kind of a silly illustration, but at the end of the day, you know that's not how life works. It can't work like that. In fact, that's not how you really want it to work. At the end of the day, when you sit where I've sat, when you sat with a husband whose wife just died of cancer, or, or, or these parents who are never gonna hug their son again, when you've sat in places like that, and I know some of you have sat in even worse places than that. See, what you want then, what I want then, is I want a God who's not like you, who's not like me, who is totally other than us and yet still loves us. We want a big God who's all-powerful and all-knowing, a God who's completely different from weak little you or me. You want a God who has chosen to lean so hard in your direction that he sent his son into the world to experience life just like you do. So that when you say, God, my heart is breaking, God will say to you, I know. I know what that's like. God, I'm so scared. God will say, I know. I know what that's like. So you want the kind of God that will allow sin to have consequences in this world. You want a God that allows events to play out. Otherwise, life would be so random, you could never expect what was coming. You could never predict it. But you also want a God who dips into the circumstances of your life and he says, look in the midst of your pain and your weakness. I'm gonna give you strength that no one will understand. I'm not gonna give you a miracle. You're gonna be the miracle because my grace is sufficient for you. And if you spend the rest of your life just shaking your fist at God, listen, you're never going to experience His grace. If you walk away, your life won't get better. You'll just create more mess. And then at the point when you're broken and you have no other option but to look to God, here's the great news. You'll turn to Him and His grace will be sufficient for you then too. Because see, in the end, with or without faith, you can't make life turn out the way you want it to. But the question is, are you gonna turn your back on God? Or will you lean hard on Him and allow His grace to be sufficient for you as you go through this life? Your greatest weakness is His greatest opportunity if you'll just trust Him. It's a promise that God has made to you. He is with you. You are not alone.
in taking communion together. This is when followers of Jesus eat and drink symbols that remind us of the body and the blood of Jesus on the cross, the moment when sin and death were defeated and a new eternal life was made possible for us. And you're invited to join us if you'd like to. You can use any kind of bread or cracker to represent Jesus' body and a small cup of juice or water to represent Jesus' blood. And let me say, if you're not a follower of Jesus yet or if this seems strange or new to you, I get that. You can feel free to just continue watching and reflecting on what you've experienced. You ever wondered why Jesus told his followers to use physical symbols like bread and juice to remember him? See, I think one of the reasons is what we just heard in that last song. It's a tangible reminder that we are not alone. He is with us in every moment. That God's Holy Spirit lives within us giving us His grace that is sufficient for whatever we're going through. So let's remember that as we partake together today. So let's take the bread and remember, this is the body of Jesus. He laid down His life out of love for us and His body rose again from the grave, never to die again, giving us that same hope for our future. So let's eat and remember that thing together. Now, take the cup and remember, this is the blood of Jesus poured out for the forgiveness of sins and the beginning of a new eternal relationship between God and people. Let's drink and remember that together. Now I wanna pray for you. Father, thank you for this experience that we've had together. Thank you that you're always with us, that your grace is all we need. And right now, I pray for everyone who's watching me right now. People who may be doubting or who may be angry or who are frustrated because things aren't turning out the way that they'd hoped. I pray that they would lean hard into you, that they would find your grace and your mercy in their time of need, and that they would experience the truth that their weakness is your greatest opportunity to show yourself strong in their life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, before we end today, I wanna to say to you, if you're currently struggling with something that we talked about today, maybe an unanswered prayer, or just a situation where life isn't turning out the way that you'd hoped it would, we really do wanna help. And I wanna invite you to reach out to us at that number that you see on the screen right now. Just text the words next step to that number. And I'd love to pray specifically for you or to help you in any way that I can. You can also reach out to us with any questions that you're having about life or faith or our church. I mean, we look forward to hearing from you. And don't forget, subscribe to our YouTube channel and like and follow us on Facebook and you'll stay up to date on everything that's going on here at Community Christian Church. I love you all. And I hope you'll join us again next Sunday as we continue in our series on faith. We'll see you then.